0: Welcome to the Running Explained Podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guest this week is sports bra expert, Laura Tempesta. Laura has a master's degree in lingerie design. She is the former sports bra innovation director at Nike, and currently she is leading Bravolution, a consumer advocacy group and resource providing sports bra reviews and education. If you've ever struggled to find a sports bra that not only fits properly, but fits properly in all the different places at the same time, Laura is here to help teach us all about sports bras, sizing, and creation, and design, and materials, and everything you might need to know about sports bras. Something we talk about extensively in this episode is called sister sizing. And Laura's website, bravolution.com, has a really great graphic that depicts what sister sizing actually looks like and how you can find your sister sizes. So I'll tell you right off the bat, if that is something that you're interested in looking up to help illustrate this conversation further, I would recommend doing that. If you're listening to this on your run, as I know a lot of people do, just bookmark that in your brain to look up after you get home. Laura, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. I'm happy to be here. So before we get started and talk all about sports bras, go ahead and tell us about yourself. Tell us about your athletic background and how you became the expert in sports bras. Well, I definitely have a, a long convoluted path. I,
1: I actually um, I started off in in management consulting in business and then went back to school for apparel design and was, was really interested in that. And I got a job at Nike in their innovation department, and I worked at Nike for 10 years and um, during the course of that, I actually had a, a knee surgery that went horribly wrong. And I got a very rare condition. I spent um, two years unable to walk and another 10 years in rehab, um, essentially relearning how to walk. And it was a very it was a very long journey. But it was something that gave me a, a profound appreciation for the gift of movement and also um, a real understanding for people who have parts of their body that might be preventing them from being act- active because I knew exactly what that was like. But throughout my, um, my career at Nike, working in the innovation department, we had bra projects come on our docket. And at the time, there weren't any bra experts at Nike. So we, would, um, we actually hired a consultant from Europe to come in. That person was really great at lingerie, maybe not so great at sports bras. And so the long story short is Nike ended up sponsoring me to go to the only school in the world where you can get a master's degree in lingerie design, and they custom designed a degree with a school so that it would include um, sports bra aesthetic design, technical design, the biomechanics of sports bras. Um, I did research on pretty much like every best-selling sports bra on the market, deconstructed them, reverse engineered them, looked at why they were working, why they weren't working, and um, created a thesis around that. So I had that, that really wonderful opportunity that Nike gave me by sponsoring me to get that degree. Um, I didn't realize at the time that I was not until later that I was actually the only person in North America with that degree. And then the school stopped offering it. So unless they offer it again, uh, anytime soon, I guess I'll be the only person in North America with a master's degree in lingerie design for some time to come. But that was how I ended up getting into sports bras and becoming an expert in sports bras. And I I just felt this, you know, I would sit in these focus groups, listening to women with large breasts, tell me how difficult it was for them to run. And given my history of disability, I really felt an affinity with with what they were saying and really wanting um, to empathize and and to help them. Because for me, having gone through this experience where my legs didn't work quite right, that's absolutely a reason that you can't run, obviously, if your legs aren't working entirely right or you're having some kind of disability. But for somebody to tell me that their breasts were preventing them from being able to run, I, I just was astounded. And I felt like, okay, this is a solvable problem. I'm not sure why we're not spending more time and effort into solving it. And of course, through my journey of becoming um, essentially one of the world's leading experts in sports bras, I do also understand that very few people have this expertise. And that's part of the reason why um,
0: there aren't so many great sports bras out there. So Laura, I think one of the big questions I want to start with is knowing what we know about how many women, how many people with breasts participate in sports, why is it so dang hard to find a sports bra that fits properly?
1: Well, it's a great question. It starts with a sports bra being a piece of athletic equipment, just as important as your running shoes. And unfortunately, the time and effort and innovation that go into running shoes are, is not anywhere nearly matched by the time and effort and innovation that goes into running bras. And when you consider that the sports bra, the very first sports bra didn't even launch until 1977, it wasn't that long ago when you think about it. And For the longest time the sports bra was a a crop top made out of stretch fabric and that was about as much as innovation that went into it because so many of the companies that were selling sports bras were men's apparel companies and so you know this wasn't really a priority for them and then i would say really in the past probably 10 to 15 years more of those companies have made creating serious sports bras a, a priority but even so, there's still not enough innovation, money, and research R&D going into it as it should in order to solve the problem, especially for larger busts, because that's a, that's a physics issue that requires um, serious investigation and research, and the amount of time and money it takes to come up with a solution for that obviously um, takes a lot more time than, than you would realize. It usually takes about two years of research to, to make a bra um, for running that is... That is That works really well. The other part is that because everybody's breasts and bodies are different, a great sports bra or run bra for me isn't going to be one for you, even if we're the exact same bra size, because it depends on your body shape, your breast type. It depends on your shoulder slope. There are all different factors that go into whether or not a sports bra is a great sports bra for you. Um, So that's, that's another reason. Third is that there isn't a lot of education out there about why, um, about how to find a sports bra, you know, how to select them, how to look for one that's going to fit you correctly. And that was actually part of the reason why I started my website and started Bravolution was because there was so little information out there about how to find the right bra. Um, and there's still very little information about how to, how to find the right sports bra. So I think the confluence of all of those factors results in there being not a whole lot of information out there for people to find the right bra. There are some some good bras out there they're often made by obscure companies that aren't being sold at big sporting goods so it's difficult for people to find the right fit for them.
0: Now, is to be fair, there are a lot of people who can buy a sports bra off the shelf, who can buy a small, medium, large, normal sports bra and it fits them just fine. And that's but those are kind of the lucky few. Yes, of course, if you are one of those people, that's fantastic, but there are many, many other people out there who are just settling for something that is either kind of doing half the job or just is downright uncomfortable to wear.
1: Yeah. And what, I, what I'll tell people is if you're in the lucky few, that means that, and you can wear a small, medium, large pull over the head sports bra. It means that your breast size matches your clothing size. So you small breasts, small clothing size, medium breast, medium clothing size, because that's basically what a small, medium, large bra is telling you. It's, it's saying that you have a breast size that matches your clothing size. And therefore, um, this bra will probably fit you. You know, someone's shoulder slope or the length of their shoulder to their bust point. All of those things will also, like, you know, are the shoulder straps actually going to fit if there's no adjustment in them? You, ha- you have to look at that as well. But there are absolutely um, a contingent of people who can wear a pull-over-the-head sports bra, and it works really well for them, especially if they're small and busted. But if you're somebody who your, bre- your breast size doesn't match your clothing size, so, for example, you have large busts but a small clothing size or vice versa, Um, or you have, you have a large bust, that small, medium, large probably isn't going to work and you're going to need to find a bra that is more tailor fit to, to you and your size.
0: Talk to us about the different ways that sports bras work, because I always thought that a sports bra when it offered me my sports bra support meant pure compression. Basically, you know, if they made sports corsets, that's kind of what I was looking for, but I don't think that's necessarily the case or what we should always be looking for.
1: Right. Um, So just an interesting historic aside, there there did used to be sports corsets a long time ago, but that's not what we want to be wearing today. Uh, So there's there's different types of sports bras. There's compression, encapsulation, and encapsulated compression, which is kind of a combination of the two. Those are the different kinds of chassis, and then there's different levels of support, low, medium, and, and high support. So I'll go into both of those things. So first, let's talk about the different support levels. So typically, the support level matches the amount of impact that is, is, or forces on the breast. So for example, running, your breasts are moving a lot throughout the entire activity. So so that would be running, horseback riding, something like that would be considered a high impact activity. And for the most part, a high impact activity, you want a high support bra. And support isn't referring to lift, it's referring to how much it reduces the movement of the breasts. So so generally speaking, you can match the support level of the bra to the activity you're doing. If you're doing yoga, you can use a low support bra because it's low impact. So say, for example, you have a smaller bust and you're a runner. Well, you can probably get away with a medium impact sports bra because there's just not as much, you know, there's there's not as much volume there. And and so therefore, a medium impact bra will, will be just fine. The same is true depending on the kind of running gait that you have. Like if you're somebody... Some people have a really bouncy a really bouncy gait and their arms are swinging quite a lot as they're running um those people's breasts are moving more than somebody who has you know more of a their gait is more steady and their torso doesn't move as much so there are things like that that you can look into so that's just that's just kind of the essential explanation of low medium and high support now when we're talking about different types of broad chassis Um, A a compression bra is a bra, if you lay it on the table, it looks totally flat. I mean, totally flat. So put it on the table, look down on it, look at it from the side. If there's no, if you can't see any cups in it at all, that is a true compression bra. A true encapsulation bra looks like a Victoria's Secret everyday bra. And when you put it down on the table, there are two very distinct cups. Um, And then, you know, one of your breasts is meant to fit in each of those cups. Um, encapsulated compression is compression is like a combination of the two. So when you look at it, you do see some room for cups, but they're not like two distinct cups the way that you would see um, the way that you would see in a Victoria's Secret bra. So generally speaking, if you have a smaller bust, typically just pure compression is fine, like it, it will work very well. And you don't need anything extra other than that. However, if you have a larger bust, what I found, just generally speaking, is that a pure encapsulation bra also doesn't work very well. And the reason is because it it projects the breasts too far forward, and the more projected the breasts are, the more they're going to move. Whereas encapsulated compression for a larger bust, I think, is a really great solution because you, you've got the um, you've got a little bit of the encapsulation going on so that you've got the breast separation, but you're also getting the benefit of the compression. So the breasts aren't as projected from from the chest and then you you have more control that way. So so that's what I typically recommend if you're larger busted is to look for encapsulated compression. But um, if you're OK, if, if you don't mind the way just compression alone feels and you have a smaller bust, then that will typically work just fine for you.
0: We talk about trade-offs, like, well, it fits me in the shoulders, but then I'm getting squeezed with the rib cage or, you know, it's fitting me through the rib cage, but now I have to like re-sew the straps because they were loose. It sounds like, you know, one, we shouldn't settle for that anyways, but two, that I think when we were chatting before about sports bras, you're talking about the importance of being able to adjust the bra. Individual parts of the bra need to be adjust- or adjustable for it to work for you.
1: Yeah. And, and that is, again, goes back to, are you one of the, the lucky people who can wear a pull over the head sports bra that has no adjustment in it? That means that, you know, your body is essentially very close to the body type of the person that the bra was designed on at the manufacturer. But for most people, if especially if you have a larger bus, for most people, you are looking for a bra that fits you like it was custom made for you. That is going to be the best possible fit, the best possible run bra that you can find. And the way for a bra To fit it, like it was made for you, if you're not one of those lucky few, is for it to have adjustment. So that means strap adjustment and underband adjustment. And it also means bra size, meaning like 32B, 34C, that type of sizing. Because that means the manufacturer had to make 35 different bras um, for that style rather than just five or six. So clearly, if there are 35 to choose from, of those is probably going to fit you a little bit better than the bra that was only made in five or six sizes and those bras that are made in five or six sizes have to have a lot of stretch in them to accommodate for different body types and, and that type of thing whereas um you know kind of a rule of thumb for run bras is that the more the bra stretches the more your breasts will move um but the more the bra stretches the more comfortable it is so so generally like if you're doing yoga you can have a really stretchy bra you can go for comfort and that's totally fine but one of the mistakes i'll see people make is that they look for that super stretchy super comfortable bra for running but in actuality their their breasts are bouncing all over the place so um so to look for, for look for a bra that has a little stretch it has to have an adjustment because you're not going to be able to get it over your shoulders. It won't stretch enough to get over your shoulders if it's a bra that's a little bit more stable, which doesn't mean you can't have any stretch at all, but um, there are key areas where you can look for stretch. So for example, I say the front strap. So from the top of the cup all the way to the shoulder, you don't want to have any, any, any stretch in that area. And also in the cup itself, you don't want to have any stretch in that area. Having stretch in the back of the bra is fine, but generally speaking for a bra to fit you like it was made for you, it's got to be bra size and it needs to have some kind of adjustment.
0: When we're shopping for bras in bra sizes, not small, medium, large, but band and cup size, are we looking for the same size as the bras we wear in everyday life? Or is there something else we should know about those sizes?
1: Yeah, there's a lot to know about those sizes, in fact. So you may have heard the statistic that um, 80% of women are wearing the wrong bra size. And in fact, in, in my experience, it's more like 90%. And The number one reason for that is that bras are sized in a way that most women are completely unaware of, and it uses a sizing called sister sizing. So in this sizing system, a 32D, a 34C, a 36B, and a 38A all fit the same size breast. So the manufacturer mass produces those cups over and over and over again, and all they do is they change the length of the underband. And this is one of the things where I actually sometimes travel with Victoria's Secret bras in these sizes to show people that they're exactly the same because it just totally blows their mind because you've been told your whole life that an A cup is small and a D cup is large. And that actually isn't exactly true in bra sizing. So, so knowing about sister sizing is, is really important if you're going to be buy, buying things that are bra sized. The other thing I would say is that the other thing that I come across a lot with bra sizing is women are really stuck on their bra size. Like somebody told them way back when that way back when that they're 34C. So they think they're a 34C in every bra brand and every bra style. But bras are like any other type of clothing. So, you know, if you go to buy jeans, can you reasonably say that in every pair of jeans and every style and every brand you're always the same size? Like, of course not, you're not, because different manufacturers have different um, ways of manufacturing and there are no standards uh, for sizing in the clothing industry. And there are no standards standards for sizing in the bra industry either. So um, so when you think about that and people, every brand is just kind of doing it approximately how they think it should be done, you may be a 34C in, in one bra brand. Um, and in another, you might be a 32D, just depend, and that's the sister size of the 34C. Um, so you might be one of those two sizes depending on, on the brand. And even within a brand, you might be different sizes depending on how much stretch is in the bra. So so you, so generally speaking, should you be the same bra size in a sports bra that you are in an everyday bra? Generally speaking, the, the answer is yes. But in practicality and in reality, often the answer is no, just for that reason that every manufacturer is fitting a little bit differently. And especially when you come to sports bras, which are, which are designed to fit a little bit tighter, you may find that that particular manufacturer fits way too tight in your size. It's, it's very uncomfortable on you. You can't breathe in it and you need to go up a sister size in order to find the right fit. So um, so that's just, just something to be aware of. The unfortunate thing about sister sizing is that unlike jean sizing, where you automatically know how to go up and down and how to find your right fit, because sister sizing is so convoluted and confusing, um, you kind of have to go like with a with a chart to know where to go next in terms of where to find the right size. Uh, but if you do go and you get fit, um, you know, professionally fit and, and you, you even say the word sister sizing, then the raw fitter is going to know, you know what you're talking about. And that, that will definitely be to your advantage to to have a conversation
0: and let them know that, you know,
1: what sister sizing is.
0: Well, and you have a really, you have a chart of sister sizes, sister sizing on the Bravolution website and it's so well done. And So I didn't even realize that I was unintentionally sister size bra shopping because I just really like to hunt sale racks. I'll just try maybe this size will fit or this size will fit. And so I realized that. Over the years I have a collection of everyday bras and I never really put two and two together until I learned about sister size and I went, well, I bet they all are technically the same dimensions even if the tag says a different size.
1: Yeah, that's highly likely. And I bet when you did the investigation you found that they were probably all the same in the same
0: sister size family. And I think one of the the tricky things about bra sizing is that we often forget that this isn't a standard sizing system because it seems so standardized, right? 32, 34, 36, A, B, C, D, E, F. Like it seems like it should be something that's so obviously like a 32 is always a 32, except it's not.
1: Exactly. And then also when you realize that that 32, 34, 36 isn't even a, a real measurement, what it is, is, is it's a Victorian shirt size. And so when um, you go to a, a fitter and they put a measuring tape around you, they're not measuring 32 and then putting you in a 32 bra uh, most of the time, unless you're Kind of in the upper end of the size range. That's a, that's another thing. But most of the time, they're not putting a, a measuring tape around you and then saying this is this is your bra size. They're putting a measuring tape around you and then putting it through a mathematical formula, trying to guesstimate what your Victorian shirt size is. So when when you realize that, you realize just how inaccurate that sizing actually is. Because sometimes the differences between a 32 and a 34 are just a few centimeters. So so for like, one of the ways I explain this is to say, imagine if your jeans, you know, your jeans belt, which has no stretch in it and has adjustment. Imagine if your jeans belt had stretch and adjustment, how many different sizes of jean belts would fit you. And that's essentially what a bra underband is when it has adjustment. It's a belt, a stretchy belt with adjustment. So if the 32 stretchy belt with adjustment is 12 inches and the 34 stretchy belt with adjustment is 13 inches, Either one can stretch to fit you, so so it just makes it that much more complicated with the cup sizing. There's a general standard of what cup sizing is, is in the U.S., but even with that, every manufacturer kind of does their own thing. So some people go D, double D, triple D. Some people go D, double D, E. Some brands, I mean, every brand has their own little take on it. And then if you're buying a brand from the U.K. They do it totally differently too. And the, the letters and the numbers look the same, but they actually mean something different. So it's it is, believe me, I, I feel the pain. It's one of the biggest pet fees I have about the bra industry is the sizing and how illogical it is. But that is is just be aware of how logical it is so that you know to, to do a little bit more investigation
0: about what your size might actually be. So if somebody's listening to this episode and thinking, gee, I wonder what size I really am, how should I even go about measuring? what can a person do right now at home with a measuring tape to figure out what size they are and how to buy a bra that fits properly?
1: Okay, so I'll answer this in two parts. The first thing I'll say is if at all possible, if you can get professionally measured, do that first because it's complicated enough that a professional is is going to be able to give you a better assessment of your size. I tell people not to go to Victoria's Secret. Um, the, The places that I tell people to go are like Nordstrom, or um, a bra boutique, like an independent bra boutique, they do a better job of assessing size. But if you really don't want to do that, then what I'll say is, um, the only part I actually really use a measuring tape for is the underband. Because when they put an underband over the, the fullest part of the bust trying to determine what somebody' size is, it's basically like telling somebody to put 14 inches of flour in a cake recipe. Like it's, it's what it's trying to do is assess somebody's breast volume with a straight linear measuring tape. And it just doesn't work. I mean, depending on, you know, where your breasts, how they fall, depending on what kind of bra you're wearing when you do that, depending on if you have a wider back or a narrower front. I mean, all of these things will factor into what measurement you get when you put a measuring tape around the fullest part of your bust. So instead, what I'll tell people to do is, well, start with, you know, start with measuring your underband, um, your rib cage, hold the the tape as tightly as possible to get the measurement. You can use that Victorian shirt size formula, which is um, adding four inches if the number is even and five five inches if the number is odd to get like kind of a ballpark place to start, but use it with a total grain of salt as a ballpark. Like if it comes out that you're a 34, try 32 as well, just to see if you like 32 better. And then in terms of determining your cup size, what I would say is the best way to figure out if you're in the right cup size is actually to just put on an underwire bra that you have at home and look at how your breast is fitting in the cup. Like if you are seeing your breasts spill out of that cup, um, which generally is the case when a cup isn't fitting, the cup is too small, then you know you want to go up one cup volume from where you were and using the sister size chart can help you do that. If you see a lot of wrinkles in the cup or there's a lot of space in the cup, then you're usually a cup size too small. But what I would say is when people are in the bra in the wrong bra size, 90% of the time the band they're wearing is too big and 90% of the time the cup they're wearing is too small. So if you are aren't in the right size, that's probably what's going on. You're in a band size too big or in a cup size too small. Another way to determine if the band size is the right size for you and, and do this in the dressing room with a new bra, because if you have an old bra, it's, it's going to stretch and this this isn't going to really work. But if you reach back around and then pull the underband away from your back, like if it, this is for an everyday bra, if it, if it pulls more than two inches, the bra band is too big for you. Um, and if it's a sports bra, and, and I say if it pulls more than an inch, and for me, I, I'll even say if it pulls more than a half an inch, it's too big for a run bra because you want it to have, be as snug a fit as possible. You don't want those micro shifting going on while you're running that would cause chafing. So um, so th- those are ways to determine if you're, if you're in the right size or not. But you can, you can start with a bra you're wearing, and especially if it's a new bra, if it's an underwire bra and it's a new bra and you, you pull the underband out and it's pulling way far out, then you'll know. Okay, I'm probably one of those people who's wearing a bra band size at least one size too big. Look down at the cups. If you're spilling out at all, you're seeing any cleavage, um, then you're probably in a in a bra that cup that's too small. Unless, of course, you're wearing a bra that has is meant to show cleavage. And then disregard that. But if it's a regular bra and you're seeing yourself coming out, then the cup is too small. Absolutely, that's true in a running bra. If you see cleavage coming out when you are wearing a running bra. Either the design of the bra isn't appropriate for you for running, or it's a cup size too small. Anything that's exposed will move. So if you have breast tissue exposed, it's going to be moving.
0: And I think we all know what happens when too much skin moves too much is that chafing can happen. And it's also just uncomfortable. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So in the features that we look for in our own bra, I know that there are probably a lot of people who are going to be doing online shopping for their bra and maybe hopefully getting a chance to buy a couple different sizes or styles and then trying them on at home and sending back the ones that don't fit. Are there any other design features or different design types that we should know about besides the compression versus encapsulation versus compression encapsulation?
1: Yeah. Let me go through a whole list of things actually. Like if this is like, I completely respect somebody who's like, hey, the small, medium, large from Target fits me, and I'm, I'm happy with that. Great, more power to you. But if I was going to like really just give somebody like their Cinderella perfect bra, this is the one that I would tell them to look for. So the very first thing, like I said, you want to make sure that you know what your bra size is and you know what sister sizing is, because I, I'd prefer that you look for something that's bra size and not small, medium, large. Something that has adjustability in both the straps and the underband. Um, for this is especially true um, for, for larger busts, but I would I would look for a wider shoulder strap, about one inch, probably no, no less than one inch wide, so that it distributes the pressure really evenly. The other thing I look for, and I mentioned this earlier, is no strap, no stretch in the front strap. So from the top of the cup to the shoulder, you want to have no stretch whatsoever, um, completely locked out. Same with the cup itself, you want to make sure that it doesn't have any stretch in it. The other thing I would tell people here is, um, if you can try to find a bra, that is a fabric cup, like a fabric cup with no stretch rather than a foam cup. Um, foam is just, it has a lot of issues, especially for larger busts. You know, it can give the appearance, especially if it's a very hard foam, it can give the appearance that it's, it's giving you some control of your breast movement, but in actuality, because it's a hard foam, unless it fits your breasts. Exactly. You're going to have movement going on inside the cup. So I feel like the best movement management comes from a very stable fabric and not a foam. Um, The other thing you wanna look for, which I just mentioned is no cleavage. So you wanna be looking to make sure um, that you're not seeing any breast tissue coming up over the top of the cup, because if you're running, like I said earlier, um, everything exposed will move. You wanna take a look at your shoulders and what type of shoulder shape you have. So if you have narrow and or sloping shoulders, you're going to have issues with a straight strap bra falling off of your shoulders. And one of the ways, one of the tricks that I use to determine um, if, if this particular bra strap is, a, is appropriate for you is I'll say, um, so take your, your right your right hand, turn the palm toward your face, um, put that right hand on your left shoulder so that the pinky is all the way to the edge, pull away your thumb so it's just, just those four fingers, and then if that, your ring finger is par- covering or partially covering the shoulder strap, it's highly likely it's going to fall off um, either. That, and that's true of everyday bras. And that's definitely true of run bras. So you're, you you want to look for something, especially if you have narrow or sloping shoulders, you want to look for something that has like an X back or a cross back, or it has, if it does have straight straps, it's the kind that sit very close to the neck so that you, when you do that, that particular test, you're not touching your fingers, not touching the shoulder strap. So you want to look for that as well. Um, the other thing that you know, I tell people is, and although this isn't you know a total peanut butter rule that re- that applies to everybody, generally you are going to find better bras from bra companies because it's all that they do. Um, and I'll say, like, you don't buy the vegetarian disc- dish at the steakhouse, right? Like, just because it's on menu and it's on offer doesn't mean you should purchase it because that's not where they're putting their efforts into. So if you are buying from um, a company that predominantly caters to men, for example, um, or is it predominantly a running shoe company, for example? Could those companies have great bras? Sure, they probably have a few um, here and there that are good, but they're not going to put the kind of effort into developing a bra that a bra company will, when you know that's all that they do. So, um, so that's another thing to to look for as well. So, those are some some tips that you can use. But one of the biggest things I'll say is. Look for, you know, is the breast tissue spilling out? Because some some women do have breast tissue that's more um, more on the sides of their breasts than in front. So that's one thing to look for. And then the shoulder strap, um, the shoulder shape, look for that as well. When I end up putting three different bra-, bra size, people who are the same bra size in three different bras, it's because their shoulder shape is different and their breast shape is different. That's what
0: determines what me putting them in a different bra. That's really fascinating about the foam because I feel feel like, not that I feel like, I know that memory foam is often marketed as a feature that somehow is supposed to give whatever it's attached to magical properties. And you're saying that no memory or foam or is not what you want to be looking for in your bra. Are there any other buzzwords or marketing phrases or slogans or things that people might see attached to how a bra is um, presented to them as, as the consumer that either are is meaningless or is not something that they want to buy in a bra?
1: Yeah, there's a few things. So, um, and so just to clarify with the foam, if it's if it's a really thin foam, it's usually fine. It's the, the thicker foams and the, even the memory foams that I would really stay away from. They absorb sweat, they trap sweat, sweat against your body, um, and they're they can really disguise whether or not you're actually getting great movement management out of that bra. It just adds a lot to the bra that doesn't need to be there. But the other thing, the other big thing that you're going to be misled on is on wicking. So there are certain companies that will advertise that this is a breathable bra, this is a sweat wicking bra. Um, 90% of the time, it's not what they claim. They can legally claim that something is wicking um, or sweat, you know, sweat evaporating, just because they have a, you know, a, a mesh fabric on it, or just because one of the fabrics on it does happen to be a wicking fabric. But as soon as you layer those fabrics with other fabrics, all those properties go away. So if you wear, layer a wicking fabric with other fabrics, which is what you need to do a lot of the times in a, in a bra in order to get the support that you need, all of the wicking goes away. You can still legally tell people it's a wicking fabric or even a wicking bra, but when you put the bra on, you're not going to experience it that way. It's, it's going to feel like it, it traps sweat. One thing that you can do is you can like take a, an eyedropper- and I, I do this sometimes on my, my website, like you can just put a drop of water on the fabric in the area where you're concerned about sweat. And if the, if the water disperses really quickly, so if that drop of water absorbs very quickly, disperses very quickly and becomes a, like a big blot um, on the fabric, that's a wicking fabric. So then, you know, like, okay, this will probably dry quickly. But if that drop of water just stays on top of the fabric, or if it absorbs and just becomes a very small dot rather than a really big dot of wetness that's not a wicking fabric and that's a, a, a bra that's going to trap moisture against your skin so um that's another thing that you you want to watch out for like if that's something that's really important to you um i think you know we had talked at one point you said you could, you could just bring the, the dropper to the dressing room I, you totally could i can what when you're um when you're purchasing it you could do that um the other thing is there's bras that are marketed as having um um convertible straps. So they'll say like, oh, this can be a straight strap bra or this can be a cross strap bra. That's another thing you want to try it both ways in the dressing room, because generally it was designed one way and they just added at the last minute a type of clasp um, to as a marketing, you know, sales gimmick, essentially to say that the bra can be worn with multiple types of adjustment. So you want to try it and make sure it actually fits you both ways and it's comfortable both ways, because a lot of times what I find is it works really well with one of those. Like it works really well as the cross or it works really well as the straight and the other one doesn't really work so well. So that's just another thing to be aware of as well.
0: Are there any specific fabrics or materials that aside from, you know, thick foam that we should avoid or look for specifically in purchasing the bra or does it really depend on all the other factors that go into the specific bra itself?
1: It does completely depend on the, all the other factors. So every bra is its own, (laughs) you know, its own ecosystem essentially. And it depends on how all those fabrics were put together, how the bra was sewn. Um, you know, another thing I would say to watch out for is, is bonding. So if, if you don't know what bonding is, bonding is essentially glue, it's fabric glue and manufacturers will often tout this as a, as a great innovation glued fabric. But I would just ask you to use your common sense with this, like. If you've ever glued fabric together um, in, a, in a craft project, how comfortable would it be to actually wear clothing that is that is glued together? So they the glues that they have for clothing are more sophisticated than that, of course, and they, they tend to be a little bit more pliable. But glues have a few different issues. First, when you glue a fabric together, it's essentially like a piece of plastic wrap. So imagine putting one piece of fabric, a piece of plastic wrap, another piece of fabric, putting an iron on top of it, and then the plastic wrap melts, and that's kind of pretty much how it works. So because of that, um, it creates a moisture barrier, meaning it's, it's a, a, a melted plastic. So the mo- moisture can't get through and it, it means that moisture is going to be trapped against your skin. The other thing is that it, those glued fabrics tend to like, you know, a, a real elastic, you can stretch it and it comes back and you can stretch it and it comes back over and over and over again, hundreds of times. And that's what you want in your bra. Whereas a glued fabric will stretch And then it doesn't really come back um and and so you're going to be dealing with a um a bra where if it's in the underband the underband will start to get looser and looser and there's nothing you can do about it if it's in the cups or the straps that that same thing will happen it will start to get looser and looser so i I would also just be you know take anything with bonding with a grain of salt and and really try try it on um you know like even though designers and manufacturers don't like this because they're always looking for the next big thing I found that some of the, the best run bras are the ones that are just simply sewn um, with a really soft, you know, avoiding seams and chafing places with soft thread that they tend to be the ones that people prefer the most because they're just the most comfortable. They don't feel like a, a sticky hot mess with, you know, all this glue and everything in them.
0: Are bonded bras, are those often marketed as seamless bras? Is that what the bonding is?
1: No, that's a great question. So seamless and bonding are two different things. So bonding um, occurs you actually had to cut out the fabric and then do the plastic wrap thing and melt it like that's bonding seamless is a machine where the bra is knit all in one time like a sock um and so it's it's actually outputting like one bra at a time and so there's nothing being cut out and and, and you know they sometimes also have to add some elastics and that type of thing but it's a totally different type of machine the the, the upside of seamless is that um if you are somebody who can just wear pure compression people will find those bras to be extremely comfortable. They have, they have a lot of stretch and, and because of the amount of compression they can give you, even though they have a lot of stretch, you know, sometimes they can sort of bend the rules on the fact of having a stretchy bra that actually works. The downside of that is because it's it's being knit like a sweater, it can feel really heavy and hot because of the kind of yarns that they have to use in order to make that happen. Um, So, I tend to prefer seamless bras for like nursing or yoga or that kind of thing, um, or just lounging around because they're super comfortable. Um, every once in a while I meet somebody who tells me they wear a seamless bra for running and they love it. They're generally somebody who's smaller, or busted, or is wearing like three sizes too small. So they're getting like crazy
0: compression and it's working for them. And they have figured out a way to breathe through the compression. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> what are some signs that so let me let me phrase it this way we all know what a really bad bra feels like. We know what it feels like when the bra is so completely wrong, you know it from the second you put it on your body or from the first 10 minutes of your run, like the chafing, everything's too tight. It it's just, it's obviously not working for you. What are some other signs that a bra just isn't right for you without going all the way towards the, this bra is the worst bra for me?
1: Well, just right off the bat, I'll tell people if you're thinking about your breast or you're thinking about the bra, it's the wrong bra. <laughs> so it should be as distraction-free as possible. But if you're kind of in that that middle area, it, it depends on a few different factors, Elizabeth. It, it depends on, you know, what's the climate that somebody's in. Are they in a climate where they might be prone to chafing? What kind of skin do they have? Are they sensitive skin people where you know a bra that might be too uncomfortable on one person is you know is more uncomfortable on them. Like that, that's something to just take a look at from that side. But when you're looking at the fit of the bra, um, you know, again, I'll look at, you know, is the cup properly properly covering the breast. I'll pull up on the shoulder straps once it's adjusted and I'll and I'll look and I'll say, okay, how many inches can I pull up this shoulder strap? If it's if it's more than an inch for a run bra, that's definitely too much. Either you need to adjust it more or it's just not not a good strap for you. I'll pull out the underband to see how it's fitting. You know, is it, is it too tight? Is it, is it around, you know, half an inch to one inch, like that's a really good fit. And, and so like those are all just kind of fit things that you can look for and also the the shoulder thing. But a lot of times you really do just need to go for a run in it, which is why I recommend that you purchase from a store that will allow you to return after going for a run. Um, because it's not until you you are in something for five miles or more that you really start to feel, um, you start to feel like, is this going to chafe me or irritate me? When you purchase a bra, you can run your finger along the seams. And if anything catches your finger or feels a little rough, that's a red flag. Like you might not feel it in the dressing room. You might might not feel it right away, but if you can feel it on your finger, and I do that test with the brands that I work with is all like put my fingers around like, okay, you're probably going to get a chafing complaint in this particular area because you can just feel how, how rough it is. If you can feel it on your finger, walk away from that bra. That's a bra that's probably going to chafe you or be uncomfortable.
0: Something I often hear from, you know, in discussions about sports bras is this is a twofold kind of, I don't say complaint, but remark is that the good sports bras seem to be very expensive But also that if the perfect sports bra were to come along, it would be almost priceless. Like there are, I would pay almost Mm -hmm. anything to have a sports bra that actually Mm -hmm. fits me. But let's talk about the fact that sometimes, yes, we are talking about, like you said, a piece of of athletic equipment and they can get very pricey.
1: They can. Um, For the most part, when I see an expensive sports bra, the the price is warranted. And I'll go into all of the reasons why it's as expensive as, as it is. Every once in a while, I see an expensive sports bra, and I'm like, that is just a markup. <laughs> like, There's no reason that bra should be that expensive. But generally speaking, a, a sports bra, um, again, so it's a piece of athletic equipment. Scientists are involved in making good sports bras. So they go out to independent labs. They have a biomechanists who are um, ex- essentially experts in how the body and the breasts move, testing the bras. They go through all kinds of fabric testing. They go through um, wear testing. What goes into making a sports bra is exponentially a longer timeline and more difficult than making an everyday bra. It just it has to withstand so many more things. It, you know, It can't chafe the person. It's got to perform under all kinds of conditions. It's got to stand up to wash and wear. So there are all of these things that go into making sure that a sports bra is a great sports bra. In addition, the fabrics that go into making sports bras are very expensive because they tend to have a lot of spandex in them and spandex is very expensive. So, so that even the fabrics themselves are quite pricey compared to, you know, what you might get in, in an everyday bra. And then bra factories, there are a lot fewer bra factories in the world than there are factories that make any other type of clothing. So those factories have essentially, you know, a bit of a monopoly on the market. And so they can charge more than, um, than factories that just make, make clothes because they're just, they're, there's less of them. And so there are a little bit more in demand. So because of all of those things, um, the cost of a sports bra is often higher uh, than, you know, than one you might get uh, than like an everyday bra for those, for those reasons. So, so I think that if you, especially if you're somebody who has trouble finding the right fit, it absolutely is worth, it's worth the investment. And especially if you understand why it's as expensive as it is with regard to the perfect sports bra. I totally agree. The number of times I've said to the manufacturers that I work with, like, if you could make the perfect sports bra a trifecta of support, comfort and aesthetics you would basically, you know, be making millions and millions of dollars because even if you have to charge more because it took more r&d to get there, it doesn't exist. like it's not out there. there are really good bras out there that i think work good work well for for certain people, but that truly perfect sports bra that Isn't going to you know you're not going to be dripping with sweat when you come back from your run. It's actually wicking the sweat. It's actually breathable. It's not chafing you like you know all of that stuff. Is that possible? It's absolutely possible. It just requires a ton of R and D and a ton of investment. And to date, I just haven't I haven't met a company that is either has the resources or the desire to put in the kind of investment it would take to actually do that, but it's entirely possible. But in the meantime, there are some really good bras out there. They're just usually made by companies you haven't necessarily heard of. Um, and
0: then as a result, uh,
1: they're difficult to find.
0: I know one of the frustrations is for people who with larger busts be, you know, beyond a a D or double D whatever the standard sizing is, is that they find it very hard to find any options, in their size beyond maybe that one company, except whoops, they're sold out of the sizes that you usually wear. What are some of the best brands, just in general, the best brands that you found for the type of bras that you would recommend, but also ones that are very size inclusive?
1: Um, So again, a lot of these are, are brands that a lot of people haven't heard of. So one is Shock Absorber in the UK. Um, they have a, a wide range of sizes. They um, and I think that they do they do a pretty good job um, and generally there are sites that will have their their sizes um, the shock absorber sizes in stock so the shock absorber ultimate run bra is one bra that I think is a is a really good one um, there's also the uh, this bra is it, it's really ugly but it works really well um, the Enel sports bra E N E L L again very ugly but if you if you're somebody who, like you just can't find anything that works for you that one will work really well. Um, this one that I have here is one that I think does a really good job too. It's the glamorized double layer bra. Um, it's essentially two bras that have been built into one. And it, it comes in, in a wide variety of sizes. And of course, two bras are always better than one. Like, I'm sure you knew people who put on multiple bras when they were trying to get the right support. I was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this one actually, especially if you're larger busted and you're having trouble finding one, I think that one does a really good job. Elomi has like, if, if you feel like I absolutely need to have an underwire, Elomi has an underwire sports bra that, that is also quite, quite good. Um, panache. The Panache Sports Bras, there are people who are like cult followers of them. So I, I want to give credence and respect to that. Um they have an underwire uh sports bra. I just the tests that I've done on it, I just don't think it supports very well, but there are people who love it. So um so I just want to say like you might be one of those people, but their their underwire sports bra also is is another one that a lot of people will reference as a as a really good bra. Um in turn and that's and that's those are the companies that
0: I would say are the most um
1: the most size inclusive.
0: What is the function of underwire in a sports bra? I just I, for I don't know I have it stuck in my head somewhere that uh, underwire is not for sports bras but clearly that's not true since you can buy sports bras that have underwire in them.
1: Uh, yeah underwire is oh gosh it, it's something I, I talk a lot about um, with people that I work with so the way I the way I explain it I say think about a skyscraper in an earthquake, right? So the, in an earthquake, a skyscraper, one that's built for earthquakes, the base is secure, but the top is moving all over the place, right? An underwire secures at the root of the breast, where it attaches to the chest wall. It's not doing anything to control movement from, the, from, from there outward. So if you have to look at, again, the bra as an ecosystem. So if you happen to have an underwire, if you're somebody who loves underwires and you're in an underwire sports bra, where it's got the underwire and they've also designed the cup in a way so that it's not, the breast isn't moving too much, then you might be really happy with that underwire sports bra. But for the most part, I find that underwire sports bras work less well than bras that don't have underwires. And I think it's because it's not being designed very well as an ecosystem. And there's you know a few rare exceptions to that. But um, I, I find that for the most part, you don't really need an underwire to, to get really great support because It's it's a myth that the underwire is giving you support. It was actually designed for shape. It was designed for making the bra, the breast round. Um, And, you know, I'll I'll show pictures of the bras, the bullet bras from the 1950s that had no underwire at all, where the breasts are totally lifted. So the underwire is not providing you lift, It's, it's providing you shape, it's providing you control at the base of the breast, but it's not necessarily making a great sports bra.
0: I'm sure you could give us a whole history lesson on this, but something I'm just thinking of now is growing up and even recently being sold um, athletic tops that had, quote unquote, built in bras and wondering why I wasn't getting enough support from the built in bra and how that is a for so many people. It just made me feel bad about myself. Like, why? Why? Are, what was wrong with my breast shape or size that like I can't use the built-in bra? I need to wear a bra underneath my bra. And I think we have to remind ourselves that a lot of these things are just like random garments that have been thought up by maybe somebody who doesn't have breasts and never really asked yes. about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or, or, mis- or there's a misnomer there, and it's really funny you bring this up because I just gave a presentation about this um, last week about these built-in, like, shelf bras that are in athletic tops. And I I basically said, what the shelf bra is, is an elastized breast covering that's kind of like the difference between a bunny slipper and a running shoe. When you talk about, like, uh, you know, the kind of bra that's in a a tank top versus the kind that's, you know, an actual bra bra, they're very different. It has half the number of layers because it's, it's designed to work, you know, with the garment that it's attached to. And it's just a piece of elastic with nipple covering. That's basically what it is. It's not meant to, it's not meant to support. So it's definitely not you. It's the um it's it's basically just a function of what it is. And and there's that misnomer of calling it a a bra, but it, it actually really isn't. Just think of it as a bunny slipper and and you wouldn't go running in your bunny
0: slippers. So so <laughs> that's really the way to think about it. Are there any innovations that you're excited about? And let me ask you, so I have a friend who works in pretty high-end sportswear design, and she talks a lot about the different fabric innovations, materials innovations that are happening right now. And she's talking about like this fabric in Italy, who's weaving from this weird wool blend, blah, 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 blah. And I'm nodding there, you know, sitting there and thinking, that (laughs) sounds really expensive, but also very cool. Yeah. Fabric innovation is, I,
1: I always think when I think about bras and, and, the future of bras, to me, fabric innovation is the number one place to look because right now, for example, to create um, a really great running bra, most brands are putting together multiple layers of fabric um, in order to create enough support and compression. Whereas if you could create a fabric that in one layer could do all of that, then the bra would be, you know, it would be lighter, um, it'd probably be more breathable, that kind of thing. Um, there, there are some, you know, really kind of out there future, future kinds of innovations of, where fabrics of fabrics that would change their properties, depending on what kind of a- athletic activity you're doing. So for example, um, a bra that you could wear for yoga or running because it's, it's looser and more comfortable during your yoga, but tighter and more supportive during your run. Um, and there have been some early brands that have tried to have tried to make some bras using those those fabrics. They haven't really worked. So I'm not sure if the fabric like worked in the lab, but then didn't really work when it was put into a bra. Um, but you know that doesn't mean that it can't work. And I know that they continue to work on those kinds of on those kinds of innovations. But to me, the number one area to look for in bra innovation is is in fabrics um, because that's where and that's where I think most of the R and D is going into. And also just where I think that we can do the the most help in terms of breathability and that type of thing, which is obviously a a place where a lot of people are complaining because the
0: bra is hot and sweaty and, and that type of thing. Is there anything about the commonly available bras you see that you wish or a feature of those that you wish like didn't exist? Like if you could wave a magic wand and say, I wish we could no longer make a bra that, you know has this feature or is marketed in this way, I would be happy. <laughs> oh, bonding. Bonding's at the
1: top of my list of things I wish would go away because I really, hate it. <laughs> I really do. And everyone who works with me knows how much I hate it, but they love it. So they just keep using it. But to me, I'm like, I don't care if the bra looks like an amazing modern thing. I care if it works. Like, of course, ultimately you would love a, a run bra that looks amazing and fits amazing and supports amazing and, and all of that. But if I, if we're not there yet and I have to choose one, I'm going to choose that it works <laughs> over how it looks, and and so um, so that's where I I tend to get. That's I would say one of my biggest things is is the bonding and the bras and the marketing of bonding as this really amazing innovation that's going to keep you from chafing. When in actuality, bonded seams are more likely to chafe because they stretch out and because they, the edges of the fabric can be rough because of the glue that's there. So that, that was, I would say is my number one thing that I'm, I mean, again, everyone who works with me knows how I feel about bonding. So <laughs> it's like the thing I'm on the soapbox about, like step away from the bonding, but, um, you know, because to me, that's not where the innovation is. The innovation isn't in bonding. The innovation isn't in glue. It's, it's in creating, you know, a great sports bra that's comfortable and breathable and works. And when a a manufacturer is down, like, how can we make this super modern, innovative sports bra, and they don't even have a single sports bra in their line that I would say is even a decent sports bra to begin with, like, why don't you start with that first? Start with making a really decent, basic run bra. um, And then once you've nailed that, then go into future future. But like when you're jumping the gun and going into like, how can we glue something to make it look like it could be on Star Trek? (laughs) I'm just not so interested in that. So that would be my number one thing.
0: And... Let's say that we found our perfect bra. We want it to make as last as long as possible. How do we properly care for a sports bra?
1: Um, So manufacturer is going to tell you to hand wash it and hand dry it. I do not hand wash any bras. I don't have time for that. I don't know who does. If you do more power to you, (laughs) but I don't. So if you're, if you live in the real world and you don't have time to hand wash your bras, what I tell people to do is to put their bra in a, in a, like a lingerie bag Put it at the bottom of the lingerie bag, and then not the bag as close to the where the bra is as possible, so that within the bag the bra isn't moving around. Um, then I wash it in cold water, and um, and you don't want to use any kind of fabric softeners because fabric softeners will um, basically make the bra unable to wick sweat. It will it will coat the it will coat the yarns and make them unable to um, take moisture away from your body. So and then I say don't put it in the dryer and just hang to dry. So. I realize that a lot of people aren't going to follow that advice, but if, if the only thing you can follow out of that is one thing, don't put it in the dryer because the dryer is going to make your bra lose elasticity a lot faster than it just, it basically just um, breaks down the elastics and, and the elastics and the spandex are what, are what making the bra work. So you want to make sure that you can not do that to have it last as long as possible. Another thing you can do is, and this is a, like something that they say with everyday bra purchasing as well, is if you are if you are buying a bra that has a hook and eye and has adjustability on the underband, if you buy it so that it fits you on the loosest hook, as the elasticity starts to wear out, you can move to the middle hook and then you can move to the tightest hook and you can keep the bra for longer. Whereas if you start off buying it with the, on the tightest hook, once it starts to get looser, you've got to get rid of the bra. So that's
0: another way to make your bras last a little longer. You know, I actually had that in my head when we were talking about sizing and sister sizing earlier. And I was thinking, I wonder if there's any credence to that. And then I forgot about it as we moved on to the next topic. So that's the thing. So you're thinking all else being equal. If you are maybe between sizes, like honestly between sizes, you could go either way. It doesn't really matter. Throw a dart, pick just the one that the dart hits, picking the bra where you are starting on the loosest hook might be the better option for longevity.
1: Yeah. That, but the one thing I will say just to be careful of if you do that is if you have narrower, sloping shoulders and you fit on the loosest hook, those shoulder straps are going to go out a little bit wider. So that's just, just one thing to be aware of. Cause I've seen people do that and like, well, of the two, I would have rather that you had the shoulder straps closer to your neck because now you're dealing with this other issue. So that's just one thing to just keep in mind, but if that's not an issue or it's a, you know, it's a cross back and that's not even a problem, then for sure doing it that way, will get you a bra That will last you longer.
0: Laura, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. Your seems very niche expertise. I don't know why there aren't more people in the world who know as much about sports bras as you do, considering how many hundreds of millions of us wear sports bras almost every day. It seems like an oversight. Um, But tell us about the work that you're doing now in Bravolution and everything else that you're doing in the field. Um,
1: So, well, with Bravolution, that is basically just like that. My website is more like a public service. It's it's just a place where you can get information. Um, When I first started it, I I also wanted to provide videos of of sports bras in slow motion because because manufacturers aren't going to tell you how their bra actually works and there's no standards. So there's no standards for sizing. There's no standards for support either. So any bra manufacturer can tell you something is high support, even if it isn't. So I just wanted to, you know, provide information. So if you're just looking for like information on on sports bras and how to get fit and how to find the right size, that's what my website is about really. It's it's just about providing that for people as a public service. I don't make any money on it whatsoever. Um my main the way I make a living is by consulting with with major brands on um on on manufacturing and how to make better bras. So that stuff is like uh, confidential so I can't talk about the work that I do there, but You know what i can say is that what's been really encouraging to me over the past few years is the number of brands who are really caring about going more into larger sizes and also putting more of an effort into making run bras that are actually um actually work really well so so that's that's exciting um the other thing is i I have a ted talk as well if you want to learn more just about bras in general you can you can look at that as well Uh, but that's pretty much
0: what i've been working on these days it's it, this is just it's fascinating and i i know that in looking at Bravolution and even talking with you just i feel like i know so much more about sports bras and like i thought that i knew a decent amount i thought that i'd done my research and kind of knew the basics of sports bras but there's always more to learn and it sounds like you're actually trying to make some change happen from the inside out so that maybe some of these innovations you're talking about we can actually purchase sometime not too far in the future
1: Yes, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying in my own little way to change the world, Elizabeth. <laughs> so one one bra at a time, one in, ill-fitting bra at a time.
0: Well, listeners, if you're interested in learning more about Laura and her work at Bravolution and even look, uh, learning more about the brands that she's recommended, that's all available on her website. And that's going to be linked in the show notes. You can look that up, check it out follow her on Instagram and learn more as she puts out more information. Laura, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you doing what you do. This is actually life-changing stuff for those of you who without breasts. You may not understand, but those of you with breasts, you get it.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. It's such a pleasure to talk with you and to educate your listeners. That's really my
0: why. So I'm happy to be here.